0: Hi, I'm Tiki Barber, co founder of Thusio. Thanks for listening to the Thusio Live and Unfiltered podcast. We're bringing our past events back to life for you to enjoy. Los Angeles Rams quarterback Jared Goff joined Yogi Roth in an exclusive conversation for Thusio Live and Unfiltered back in July 2018. Later that year, he would throw for over 4,600 yards and 32 touchdowns and lead the Rams to Super Bowl 53. Goff reflects on his young career, leadership, getting drafted first overall by the Rams, and living up to expectations. He also notes the importance of leading by example and how he hopes to be remembered as more than a football player. Enjoy the interview.
1: All right, so on that note, I thought it was really interesting. He was preparing for this, you know, looking up Jared online, trying to think of unique things I want to ask him. And I stumbled into YouTube and, of course, find you pretending to be a quarterback as a transfer. And Ventura College. Now, yeah. within that, what, what I thought was so amazing is that that has over 6 million views along the way. Woo! You got no other hundreds, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing if you, if you haven't seen it yet. But the next closest clip of you yeah. is about 1.6 million. So people know you more as Dre Fog, the translator. Uh, and Everywhere I go now, I'm not kidding you, I get that everywhere I go, like, oh, I love the video, I love the transcript video, I think I've heard it
2: a few times tonight already. And it's funny, because I never expected it to be even close to that big. I, I kind of showed up that day and I was like, okay, this will be fun, like, we'll shoot a prank and whatever. And it went fully viral for a few days, and I was, you know, getting, I mean, I've never gotten a response like that from anything, like, as far as, like, text and tweets and everything, Instagram, people were loving it, and it was fun, but it was exciting, it was cool to get that response. And cool to know that, you know, maybe
1: I have a little bit of an acting career in the future. Uh, It was fun, though. It was really fun. And like I said, it was cool to get that response. Uh, That's perfect. because here we are in the Griffin Club. We're, you know, created by Merv Griffin way back in the day. Uh, But I want to go back in your life and where it began. Because one thing, whether you talk to your coaches from Cal, high school, now at the Rams, consistently is the grit that you have. grit, if you want to define this word, passion means perseverance. You have this fight to you. That isn't necessarily seen when you walk into the room. Where did that generate for you?
2: Man, I don't know. I think I've just always been someone who um, enjoys the challenge, enjoys being kind of down in the fight, and, and having a chance to you know prove everyone wrong, and, and, and being able to you know show some people that you know maybe they don't know what they're talking about, or maybe you know you have more in you than you think. And um, I mean, we'll get into it, but there's a lot of things that I've gone through that. People may not know about and um, have made me stronger than who I am today.
1: So I want to start there in high school. Uh, you are a talented quarterback, not one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, like,
2: uh, So I've heard already a few times tonight, why I wanted to go to UCLA, or USC. I said because they didn't want me, so I didn't go there. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want me. I had to go to Cal. Sorry. Uh,
1: so, so, so what was that like? I mean, to paint a picture, I uh, host the show called The 11, which is we met Jerry and you were maybe 170 pounds. Maybe. The windiest day we've had in our 20-year history. Yep. You've got your yep. workout, yep. and you had three offers at the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but just recently. Yeah, I was I was late to the
2: kind of offer table. I was probably a top top 30 guy at that point, maybe. Um, and I had Cal as my first offer, and then I got Washington State and Boise State just right, right soon after. And um, You know, like like I said, I want to go to law school, but Cal was the only one who gave me a really chance, so (laughs) I love Cal a little bit. Yeah, it was a windy day up there in Oakland. That was the first day I met you, I'm sure. Um, And I won, I didn't win the League 11 deal that day. I won the MVP of the Nike thing the next day, which was somewhat validating because the day before I was like, man, I had to have won this. Like, I thought I was the best guy out there. Didn't get it. Um, And then came back the next day, the following day, and it was a similar deal, but it was a Nike camp and won the MVP that day
1: someone So, are you driven by the people that say no to you? Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's kind of been.
2: And it may not seem like it, you know. At least since a lot of you guys have done me being um, the number one pick and coming out here, that you know the odds have been stacked against me. But um, I feel like growing up, I was like you said, I was skinny. I was I was really skinny. I was not short, but I was skinny. Dealt with that and had to you know put on some weight and. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, was never a highly-touted recruit, you know, did have some offers like we talked about, but still had to fight through some of that, and um, went to Cal and had to fight through I think we had a six-man
1: quarterback battle, and I I ultimately came out of that and won it, but um, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff like that. So when you go home to a day where you're overlooked, you're not given an offer, you're not named the award winner, you go home to a family that number one is Cal fans, your dad- Cal Cal grads. and your dad was a professional athlete, professional baseball player. What are the conversations like in the golf living room when somebody tells you that you're, you're not good enough for us right now? I'm
2: probably the calmest about it nowadays. But my mom and my dad will get really fired up about it. Um, I think at the time growing up in high school, when I really you know, didn't really know I was a, I was a baseball player, a football player, and played basketball all the way through up until my junior year of high school. And so I wasn't sure if I wanted to play baseball in college or football yet. I knew I would play basketball, I was a six foot two white guy and couldn't really shoot. So, yeah, I wasn't going to play basketball, but uh, I could play baseball or college, I had some um, baseball offers, and when football, when Cal offered, they became the first offer, and that was the full scholarship, and I made the decision to play football, but um, like you said, there were a lot of naysayers, and my dad, and it was, I mean, you guys know there's message boards and all that stuff, and your know, family likes to read it, I stopped reading it pretty early on, but my parents would still read it and my grandparents read it and I would know, hear,
1: you know, they'd, they'd ask me questions about it. They'd be like, oh, we didn't know this. I'm like, that's not true. Like, do that.
2: <laughs> Like, oh, that happened at practice." I'm like, no, it didn't happen, but like, that's on the message board, so I'm sure you know. <laughs> so um, they like to get into all that, but I truly stay out of it. So I want to dive into
1: that. Uh, I think that uh, premier athletes have a process that they can deal with, with adversity you can chunk that information and get to it really fast. So whether that's an interception, or whether that's not getting an offer, or a message board comment, do you have a process around that?
2: I think, I think from when I was a young age, I've always been somewhat unconscious about it. Like throw an interception or like do something bad and like literally don't even think about it again. And, and try to treat a touchdown or a good play the same way because I think that's the best way to play quarterback. I don't know where it came from, probably from someone when my dad did uh, raise me in their sports, and through sports, my parents, but um, always kind of had had that um, always since high school that I can remember where you know, something goes bad and I'm able to forget about it really early and let it go. And, that, and I also like to think about what we've talked about as the pace, the performance after critical error is what it's called. And I've kind of carried that with me for a long time as far as if something were to go bad, how bad can it truly get and you can still be good? You know how how many interceptions in a row can I throw,
1: and still don't come back and throw a touchdown? And you know, I think that's where you're truly judged. So if you go to Jared's freshman year, uh, I was able to produce a documentary series called The Drive on the Pac- twelve Network. So you can check it out now. And what's beautiful about that series is that we follow you from the day you get there through the quarterback battle with names like Austin Hinder, some of you may know, but one of your close friends, is, yeah. Zach Klein, who was one of the top quarterbacks in the country. And here's this. Maybe 175 pounds. I was 180 pounds by freshman year college. Okay, playing major college football. And we were miking up the athletes. So I remember miking you up and listening to it and hearing the hits, let alone seeing the hits. One game in particular, you were at Oregon. And the rain came in ways that I've never seen. Curious, though, for you, that was as much adversity as that I got to see you deal with all year long. And to your point, you
2: never flamed. Yeah, I, I think I'll talk about that game. I, it was, we were playing Oregon. It was my first Pac-12 game. We had just played Ohio State the game before and got blown out at home. We went 1-11 this year, so <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't great. We played Ohio State the previous game. We went up to Oregon the following game. And I think they're coming off the heels of either going to the national championship or being really close. Marcus Marietta is a quarterback. They're incredible. Go to Oregon. We're playing Oregon. Um, and that actually a classified monsoon came through, <laughs> and uh, I ended up playing like a quarter and a half, and I was like, I literally can't hold on the ball, like it was just slipping out of my hands, I couldn't do it. So it took me out. We
1: lost by like hundred, but um, that
2: was irrelevant. It was a, it was a good moment for me to be like, all right, like here's another chance for me to really prove what I'm what I'm about, you know. This is a chance for me to really show my worth and and really like about if I can come back from this, you know, how much worse can you get? And, and that's kind of the mentality I take into those situations is if I can show my teammates and my coaches and everyone in the building that this doesn't affect me, then, then I've got it, then
1: I'm good. And then from then on out, I've kind of always carried that mentality. And that mentality, a lot of us in the room get to see you play on the NFL the last two years, but I want to go back to your freshman year, the final game. You play Sanford, and I, I would guess that no one in this room knows the story yeah. about how you really got hurt in that game. And We had it wired for sound. I could hear it literally happening. Yeah. Do yeah. you to
2: yeah. share that? Sure. So, again, we were 1-10 at this point. It's the last game of the season. Stanford's <laughs> <laughs> so on their way to, like, their second Rose Bowl or other, I think they're 9-2 or 9-1, 10-1. And, and, and we were, I mean, we couldn't have been any more underdogs. I'm sure we were 40-point dogs in that game or something. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we actually came out and scored on the first drive, so it was like 7-0 quick, and I think they scored it right back. Ty Montgomery, I don't know if you guys know him. He plays for the Packers. He had four touchdowns in the first half, so that's like, <laughs> um, They ended up beating us by a lot, but what Yogi's know, talking about is um, I got, I, I remember I was rolling out. I was scrambling a little bit. Shane Scull, who ended up playing for the 49ers for a little bit, was, you know, a big-time linebacker at Stanford, and um, I remember vividly, like, the thought, all right, I'm going to throw this ball to this guy, and he's about to hit me. And I was like, I can either kind of throw it and dive a little bit, or I'm just going to, like, eat this. <laughs> and, and I remember being like, well, it's the last game of the year. Might as well just eat it. And so I'm
0: sure
2: if I throw it. He hits me. Separated my shoulder. <laughs> grade one separation at the time. So I don't know if you guys know anything about it. There's grade one, two, three, four. Four is, like, really bad. Grade one, which is slight. Like, it's an AC joint separation right here in my throwing room. so took the hit, kind of felt a little funky, went to the sidelines and threw around, I'm sure you guys have the audio, but threw it around a little bit and was like, all right, like, you know, again, okay, this is the last game, I might as well just go for it, like, I've got nothing to lose at this point. They're asking me if I can play, and, and we're down by like, I think 30 at this point, point. I'm like, yeah, again, I'm, I nothing to lose, I might as well just go back out there. <laughs> so, uh, 185 pounds, go back out there, um, and probably two series later, Chance Gove comes right up the middle, hits me. I I threw it Funny story about the pass, I threw the pass, he catches it, he goes like 60 yards. (laughs) It ended up breaking the single season record for yardage on that last play. It landed like this on my elbow a little bit, and my shoulder went to a grade three separation right there. And the worst pain I've ever felt in my life still. And I'm sure the audio was like terrifying, because I was just screaming on the ground, just screaming. And Ended up coming off the ga- out of the game. Went to take an X-ray, grade three, whatever. Put me in a sling. About a week later, I had surgery on it. Um, and again, it was in the season, so I was like, all right, whatever. Got like four months to recover. Um, did the rehab, and I've been good since. But yeah, it was a, it was a definitely a learning moment. And, um, do I wish I would, would I done it differently? I don't think so. I think I would have done the same thing. I think it was me kind of again trying to show what I'm made of, and and only having one mindset about it i think like like i talked about it i can go back and forth on it but how bad can it get i can really come back and keep going and that was that was part of that as well uh, it was, uh, yeah feel free to give round of applause no,
1: no. um i think all a lot of us in the audience uh we have moments where we never okay, believe in this spring ball. But is there a point in your collegiate career where you say, I'm an NFL quarterback? Or was that something that you had in your mind when you were much younger? I think I always knew I could play professionally. I,
2: I, I think, I always I always wanted to. I don't think I always knew. I always wanted to. And I think when I got to college, when I got the Division One scholarship offer, I was like, okay, now this is like a really chance to actually make that dream come true. And then playing as a freshman, you know, I tried to take full advantage of it. And truly, I was trying to in the moment of each series and each game and not think about that, but I think towards you know the middle of my sophomore year when I started having a little bit more success, I um, was able to kind of truly picture that and see how close it was, and um, as time went on, you know, I, I, I kind of always, in, in college, I knew I'd make it to the NFL. I didn't know I'd be a starter. I didn't know I'd be successful. I didn't know how long I'd be in the NFL, but I had a pretty good idea I could, I could do it. To come along with it at this point. I don't think I, I, I could have expected, but was
1: always confident in myself. Yeah, there's a story about you that goes something like this. You're walking on college campus at Cal, prepping for your pro day. You're about to be extremely high draft pick, don't know where you're going to be picked at the time, and a random passerby comes up to you and says, oh, my God, you're Jared Goff. Oh, my God, people must love you around You're the quarterback, right? And the story says that you said, I'm just a student here at Cal. <laughs> and that individual was a scouting curious if that's accurate, yeah. and, and what do you attribute that to, because oh, there are not a lot it, of but yeah, I, I'm sure that happened, because I, I don't <laughs> know what <why> <laughs> Where's that come from? I mean, all of us, if we were projected as a top 10 draft pick, you were kind of a top two, um, would say, yeah, you're right, man, <laughs> want to take a <laughs> picture, especially in this era, and, and you do the exact opposite. Yeah, I, I think
2: I think I was uncomfortable with like the, the celebrity of it at that time. I think I really truly didn't know I was going to leave, my junior year until about halfway through that year so it all happened really quickly for me. And going from not knowing gonna leave to, you know, six months later you're gonna be the number one pick. And like that really happened really quickly and, and as time's gone on I've been able to get more comfortable with, with that reality. But at that time I was like, No, I'm just leaving alone. Like, <laughs> I'm just I'm just like you and me. Like, I can still feel that way. But um, there are times where you have to embrace, you know, being the role model and being the you know kind of face of a franchise at this point and um, some of that stuff, is, it goes along with it. But at that time, no, I was I was still very naive to it. I was like, no, nah, nah, that's not me. <laughs> you must be thinking of somebody else. <laughs> your stage
1: began at a high school where you were extremely successful. Then it goes to Cal, where you take the team eventually to a bowl game. And then all of a sudden, the world is coming to watch you work out. Curious if you can paint a picture of your mind when all of a sudden your name gets called, the NFL draft, and you're walking across the stage. Yeah, I don't. I blacked out. I don't remember much of
2: it. I remember remember my name getting called. Well, I remember. I'll go through the whole story. I remember going to the Rams facility, doing the visit with them, and and kind of coming away with the notion that I was going to be picked by them. Um, Still didn't know for sure. I mean, anything can happen leading up to the draft. But coming away with that idea and sitting in the green room with my family, and I remember it was a really long day. It was like it was like miserably long day, and you finally get to the green room, and, and I'm sitting there, and, and as, as bad as it sounds, I'm like, man, I just now now I'm going to have to stand up and go go away. And, you know, like I, I was truly exhausted, and want to like relax for a minute, but um, I remember getting the phone call from the Rams and talking to them, and enjoying up my family, and then sitting there and hearing uh, Roger Goodell say my name, and um, walking down, grabbing the hat. I believe I said hi to Deion Sanders really quickly. Um <laughs> <laughs> moment, did, uh, walked out into the uh, stage, you know, waved a little bit and took the jersey and I don't remember anything I said to Roger Goodell or what he had said to me. Like, I'm sure he said congrats and I said thank you and that was really much it. But, um, and then after that, you know, you, people don't see you. You take your picture on stage and you walk off, you probably do a quick interview on TV. And then I did media for like four hours you know, just in the back and, and ended up eating dinner at about midnight. Um, but, again, I, I sound like I'm complaining about it. It was, a, it was an incredible, incredible <laughs> night and an incredible experience and something that, you know, I'll remember forever. And, um, me and my family, I really enjoyed it. So when you get into your hotel
1: room, hopefully it's sweet after that after drive, Yeah. Midnight, right? yeah. And, and, and everything goes quiet. You turn off the TV if it, if it was even on. You put your phone in airplane mode. What's the first moment when you're just with yourself like I, I didn't happen until I was in LA.
2: I, I slept for an hour and got on a flight. Cause I, I told you like I ate dinner at midnight um, then went out and had fun with my friends and family until you know, 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. I had to, had to leave the hotel at 6am to get to LA on what was like a 5 hour flight from Chicago. So I get to LA, um, again, I'm exhausted, like I'm so beat. I'm, I'm in LA land, uh, they pick me up, and as soon as I step off the plane, it's, it's Hard Knocks cameras, like right there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like,
2: I'm still wearing the clothes <laughs> the day before, I'm so tired. I mean, I'm just exhausted, and cameras, I'm like, oh, great, like, all right, let, get me in the car. I get in the car, there's GoPros everywhere. <laughs> Me and I get back, I get to the hotel room, I'm like, all right, fine, I'm, I'm going to have like at least an hour or so to just kind of take a deep breath and relax. He's like, all right, put your suit on, we'll see you in 20 minutes, you get your press conference. <laughs> so then I went, put my suit on, came downstairs again, literally 20 minutes later, met all the coaches for the Rams, and five minutes later was on stage in a press conference in L.A. Um, talking about it with Coach Fisher and uh, Les Snead. It was quick, and so I guess the time when I really was able to take it in was that night. Um, we had dinner at the top of the hotel at Wolfgang Puck with my family and I was in like my Ram stuff and like kind of looking out at LA and I was like, holy smokes, like this is it. Like this is, it's like all the circus is kind of over and I can kind of enjoy it now and this is the city I live in. And kind
1: of started to all take it all in right that. When you walk into a facility, much like as a freshman at Cal, you knew you were gonna compete against, but you weren't the number one recruit in the country. Yeah. Now you're arguably the number one recruit in the country is the top pick what's it like like are you trying to figure out how to operate how to talk who to be like are you confident enough to be like I'm just gonna work what's
2: your process it was definitely different like I talked about before how being kind of somewhat of an underdog or liking to put myself in that underdog mentality I thought made me better being the first pick to draft you, you can't can't really think like that anymore. You have to kind of be in a different mentality. So it took me a little while to kind of find what is my edge going to be, like, what is my, this is going to drive me, this is going to make me, you know, want to do the extra work and want to do this and that. Because it it truly did, it took me, you know, weeks to figure that out. And as time went on, I don't know you guys know much about my rookie season, but that became that, that edge and that that thing that I could fall back on as as far as, you know, this is what is going to drive me. And um, to go to your question, I think, it was difficult at first to go from kind of, you know, the skinny 100 kid, you know, from Marin County who doesn't get recruited and all that, to now all of a sudden you're no one pick in L.A. and it's like, alright,
1: now you're no longer that. Like, you have to kind of find a different thing. It's one thing to ignore comments from grandma on the message boards. Your freshman year, your rookie year, you go 0-7, yeah. and it's it's not easy. You know, coaching staff gets let go. How did you deal with the amount of coverage that is in Los Angeles with the Rams coming back. Of course, it started with Hard Knocks, but by the time you are playing, it's a different type of coverage that just keeps coming. And yeah. NFL players have described it almost like a monsoon. Of it keeps coming. If you don't have a plan, it could blow you over. Yeah, yeah.
2: I think, again, yeah, I go back to what I was saying. Like, how bad can it get? And that got really bad. I mean, it was bad. It, was, it wasn't fun. We, lost. we went 4-12. and 12. I was 0-7 wasn't fun, weren't playing well, but I never lost confidence in myself. I never I never got down on myself, never thought this isn't gonna work, you know, never was like, Oh man, maybe this isn't for me, maybe this this is wrong. No, never thought that never went through my mind. Um, always knew I was gonna make it work and having the season at Cal that freshman year was definitely something to look back at, like, man, if I could turn that around and come out of that alive, you know, with this and everything that went on that season, you know, this wasn't really that bad. I only played seven games and there was a lot of circumstances out of my control that you know, went certain ways. and um, So I really never lost confidence. I always knew I could come out of the, come out of the darkness and yeah. um, come out and be a better player. And, and ultimately, throughout that, that next offseason, we had a lot of really good things happen with with Coach McVeigh getting hired. And a lot of the players I brought in and a lot of, a lot of that stuff kind of came around me and was able to lift me up and, and make me a better player. What do
1: you, as a rookie quarterback, or in your second year, when do you find your voice in a locker room at that position? I,
2: I think it I think it has to do with being prepared and and not BSing anybody. I don't want to say the real word. Not BS, not BSing anybody. Um, because I think those guys see right through it. You know, the veteran guys, if you're not prepared, first of all, everyone's gonna know right away. You've got no chance if you're not prepared. And if you're trying to be somebody you're not, they'll see right through that as well. So I think being authentic and being prepared, no matter how old you are, if you're 18 years old, if you're 15 years old, if you're 40 years old, people will respect you in the locker room, in the huddle, in and, and, and business, and anything, if you're prepared, you're authentic, and you're yourself.
1: And we all think of quarterbacks, I think generally, as the ones with all the command, right? How many paid man videos have we seen with him at the line of scrimmage, or the lore of a guy like him running the meetings, he, he has a style about him. What what's your style in that meeting room with now one of the hottest coaches in the game, Sean McVay, coach of the year. Yeah. Uh, and, and what's that? Again, I think just be
2: myself. I don't think I, I don't I don't try to create a style, create anything. And I don't think guys like Peyton did either or Tom or any of the great ones. I think they're they're themselves too, so I just be myself and I think my style is, is more of a, you know, confident by example and, and let everyone follow me. Like, I'll, I'll lead the way, but I don't need to. Don't feel like I need to yell at people. Don't feel like that's even our coach's style or any players on our team is is a, is a yelling, you know, motivating factor. Not I don't think that's it. I think it's truly really leading by example, being on time, being prepared, show up every day, work hard, and um, be the best teammate, leader, quarterback I can be, and, and everyone will follow. And, and so far, it's been great. And I think that I've really grown into that role. As the last two years have progressed, and um, feel
1: really confident in it. Feel like you know become a really important leader. I think we've talked about a phrase, uh, embracing the burden of influence, which is the quarterback position. How you play influences that entire building. What's your preparation like? I'm curious to know what the work is that you actually put into this in a game, like the
2: hourly. Um, so Sundays we play, so take that out. Mondays uh, you can get in there probably about 8 a.m. on Mondays, and we'll have a meeting probably about 10 a.m., um, and stick it around until maybe 2 o'clock, start on the next team. Tuesdays is the day off around the league. Most teams have Tuesdays off, we have Tuesdays off, so I go in, again, probably about 10 a.m., um, probably get out of there about two, another you know, quick four-hour day, but you know, get some stuff done, get whatever you've done. Sometimes it's longer than that, sometimes it's five, six hours, but it's whatever you need to get done. Um, Wednesdays and Thursdays are the really long work days, so Wednesdays will be 5.30 till 7.00-ish. Um, and then Thursdays will be about the same. And then Fridays is kind of like the let your mind recover day. You get in there at about 8 a.m., 7 a.m., and you you stay till noon. Our philosophy is you get out of the building, like get out, enjoy your dinner, have dinner with whoever, enjoy your Friday night, um, and then Saturday, I walk through. And neither we'll travel or we'll stay at home. Go to the hotel. So there are some strenuous hours, but I think what I've really learned from over here till now is you only need to do what you need to do. You don't need to try to invent some work for yourself that you don't need. If if you're confident in yourself and confident in what you know, and you're watching what you need to know, and you're studying. And you're like, all right, I got it. Like you're for a test, and you're confident in that, and you don't need any more like than you don't need to. You need to be in there 12 hours just to be in there 12 hours. Like, you truly let your work come
1: to you and, and do it as as you need. You went to Berkeley, as we've referenced, which means there's a lot of things that go on on campus when you're there. Like Artie. Like what? Like, like. Yeah, like what? Exactly. Let's just say it isn't just all football not that campus. No, it's a lot. <laughs> there's also a lot that goes on in the NFL. There's a lot of, whether it's racial tension, politically, taking a knee, you going know, to face of the franchise, no more draft pick. How do you look at things like that? And when a team may be looking at you now as a third year player, how do you deal with that?
2: Yeah, I think, I think we, did, we did what a lot of teams did last year, and what we did last year is we, we held a team meeting about it. We said, you know, what do we want to do? How do we want to handle it? And I'm sure we'll do that again this year. Um, and I don't know what the results will be this year, but last year was unanimously, you one know, really wanted to do anything. And that was just our team. And that was the players we had. and. and it was, it was a meeting that we expected to last about 20 minutes. That lasted literally two minutes. Andrew Whitworth, who's kind of our you know, elder captain, um, led the meeting and was like, all right, what do we want to do? And no one really wanted to do anything. So in that standpoint, we went with that. And this year it may be different. This year it may be the same, I don't know. But I think following, being as good of, being a leader is so much more about listening than anything. And, and listening to your teammates and listening to what guys have to say. And, and something like that where you know, a lot of guys feel probably a little bit more strongly than I would in certain ways. I'm going to listen and, and do, what, do what some guys want to do and, and at the same time have my opinion on it. And all of our leaders will have their opinions, but by all means, everyone has their own thing and, and do what you need to do.
1: you arguably one of the greatest leaders of your position, somebody who also rocks the same number. A guy you admired, Joe Montana. Have you been able to connect with him and or now in the role that you have? Have you connected with other people? Have done amazing things in your sport and others. Be able to sit down and like, okay, what's it like when when all eyes are on you, or how have you taken a team from struggle to championship aspirations for you guys right now? Yeah, I haven't I haven't actually met Joe yet. I'd love to meet him at some point. I actually haven't
2: met him. Um, I, I guess I can tell you. I, I mean, I, I haven't really had any conversations like that with anybody as far as that are you know really big in, in a sports world or something that have. But their team was something they really had it. I think something that was cool for me to see was I played against Tom Brady my first year and I played against Drew Brees my first year. Being able to see them work was like, I mean, mind blowing. Like, I was this guy's age when when they were my age, and like, you know, growing up and seeing that and playing against them, it was like, holy smokes, like, this is a little. So, a year ago, Tom actually sent me his TV12 book signed in or like good luck with everything and that was kind of a whole thing again like how how, how cool is that and so you know you don't I haven't had that conversation with anybody I look forward to hopefully having a lot of them you know anyone that's done that but I haven't had a chance to and I also think that some things I talk about with some people is that being the quarterback out here in today's day and age in LA with all the stuff that goes on on social media and everything has truly never been today's age, like, you know, Jim Everett and Vince Fergamo were great, but there wasn't dealing with the same type of stuff, so there's a lot of stuff that I'm learning for myself that no one can teach me that I have to have to figure out on my own, and um, currently am, but uh,
1: that's something that, you know, I would definitely look forward to talking to somebody about. When you look at the position of quarterback, what I love about you is three weeks ago you were talking to the top high school kids in the country, top college guys who came down as a, a guest at the Elite 11, the fraternity of that is what we all start to be at. Some of them are the quarterbacks of our home or of our business. What makes it, when you get to rub elbows with Brady, Breeze, et cetera, or kids that are 16 or 12 in the audience here and want to be in your shoes one day, what, what makes that so unique? You can take us inside that fraternity that some of us, great right arms, can't get in. Yeah, hey, I think it's, it's definitely, it's, it's an
2: interesting group of people when you get into a room with a lot of quarterbacks and you've, you've been around for a long time and. and seen it where it's like kind of everyone's kind of an alpha and you're kind of trying to figure out all right well who's the real alpha like who's, who's really who's really you know who's really a big dog and, and who's really not who's pretending to be and, and i think as time goes on you if you spend enough time with somebody you can kind of figure that out and you know not that you're ever trying to like one-up people but you're always trying to kind of assert yourself in those in those situations and, and if i'm ever i was at the pro bowl this last year and, and drew and, and russell wilson were on my team and so for me, I was deferring everything to them. You know, whatever they said goes. Like, by all means. Um, and so you know, Drew and Russell gave me some pieces of advice there, and you know, we're sitting in the same quarterback room. And, and again, like, like we're all alphas. We're all the leaders of our own individual teams. We all have our own opinions on things. We all have our own ways of doing things. Um, me being so young, I was you know willing to absorb and learn everything from them. And I'm sure as time goes on, I'll probably change my mind on that. And, uh, probably think um, you know know more than I do, but uh, in those situations I like to kind of absorb and look around and, and, and see like all right like who's who's starting to take charge and who's not and and when and you can probably speak to it better. When I was going through it I don't know what I was. I was trying to be myself and trying to be the best I could be at the time, but I don't know if I was, you know, faking it or if I was really, you know, the dude out there. I don't know. But um, just try to be myself every time. What did they tell you in that quarter of a Russell and Drew? Again, okay, so again, like once you get to this level, a lot of people are secretive. Like, yeah. especially Russell being in my division, like he wasn't
1: going to tell me much. I didn't expect him <laughs> <it. laughs> <expect> to <laughs> We play each other twice a year, they're a great team, and,
2: and he wasn't going to let too many of his secrets out of the back. Drew, being at the latter end of his career, and, and, and we don't play them very often, was more open to you know sharing stuff, and asking him, you know, a handful of things as far as, you know, what do you do to warm up? What do you do for this? Well, how do you treat Tuesday? How do you treat Monday? How do you treat Friday? Kind of the different days of the week. Um, how do you prepare pregame? You know, what what do you do? How many throws do you throw pregame? Like different stuff like that. Where I just, I'm just i still trying to figure out what my routine is and what I want to do, and being able to learn from a guy like him. And and maybe maybe what he does isn't for me, but maybe maybe what he does I can try one time and and I enjoy it. I'm like, man, like I learned that from Drew Brees. Like that's gonna carry me this far. Um, so a lot of that stuff I think I was able to learn from him. And then a lot of things about, like, how does how do you guys practice? Like, what, what is your Wednesday like in practice? Like, how competitive is it? Are you hitting? Is it full speed all the time?
1: Like, all that stuff varies, and I think learning all that from them, especially Drew, was great. Ever since I met you, you have a focus and a confidence that is so obvious. How has that developed for you as a professional when you're getting pulled in so many directions being asked to do so many things, but even as of today or three weeks ago, my comment when you walk in the room was, "Man, God, is he's, he, he's got a vibe about him now." Do you, do you work on that, or are you conscious of that? I don't think so. I think it just <laughs> yeah. If there
2: is one, I don't know, but I think it just it just happens as you grow older and grow grow more confident and grow more comfortable. And I think in any profession, not just football or quarterback, I think in any profession your first year, you're kind of spinning. You're like, all right, I'm still trying to get my feet on the ground, trying to figure stuff out. And then as time goes on, you start to learn who you are and become more comfortable with that, more confident with that, and, and start to, you know, be able to branch out in different ways and and be yourself more. And, and I think that's happened with me as time has gone on, through high school, through college, and now into my third year in the NFL. As time has gone on, I've been able to become more myself and, and, and understand truly who I am, what, what are my likes, what are my dislikes, what do I need from this? What do I not need? What do I need to get away from? And Understanding all that creates more of
1: that outward vibe as you talk about of being able to kind of walk into a room and be confident in New York. So now in this room, expectations are the highest they've ever been, uh, probably since you were in Catholic and playing high school football and expectations for a state title were there. The standard here and the expectation is to take your team to the Super Bowl. There's a lot that goes into that. How do you... Knowing what people say and hearing it, because now, as you reference, it's a different era, and you can get an alert if you choose to look at alerts and know what people are saying about yeah, you. I've got no notification. To look <laughs> listen, listen to that.
2: my <laughs> beat and report. Like all those, I see
0: my friends get them. I'm like, I don't have that. Like I don't want to know. You don't want to know. But but on a serious note, training camp is
1: about to start, and the standard is different. Do you feel that? Does the team feel that? Do you embrace that? Do you want that? Does it change how you approach a season, a yeah. training camp? I don't think it changed our approach at all. I think it changes maybe our our
2: our overall satisfaction with things, but I don't think it changed our approach. I think it, our, our approach will remain the same from what we did last year, coming off of my rookie year, coming into last year, being able to have the success we had going into the playoffs. Coming into this year, we need to treat, and this is these are conversations I've had with players, coaches, everyone. We need to treat it just like we were bad last year, just like we didn't do well last year and come into this season with that same mindset and because if we don't we'll get you've seen it a million times. I mean you've seen the teams that have had the type of buzz. I mean we, we can't ignore it. We, we have buzz that like we've made some additions. We've had a good year last year, we've got a guy named Aaron Donald, talked early. and Doncansu, I mean we have all these players. Here. Peter's Peter's I mean we keep going we can keep going. but we can we can either you know ignore that or like it's, it's buzz and, and you see it happen all the time. Like I said, where teams come in with that buzz and they fall flat and it's like, what happened? And, and you don't really know, but you assume it had to do with their preparation, getting up to it. So I think our approach will always remain the same, but I think our level of satisfaction with things as far as the way we
1: practice and the way we do things daily will turn up a little bit. The last two quick ones and we're going up to the crowd. Um, curious what you stand for what you want for people to know about what Jared is I, I hope
2: you don't remember me as a football player. Um, I hope you know, know me as a, a good dude and, and somebody that was in whatever your short interaction with me was, was nice and respectful and, and had some good insight on stuff, I hope. Um, you know, I think I'll play football for however long and then that'll be over and I'll have to figure out something else to do. So I- uh, ladies and gentlemen, Jared.
0: Thanks for listening to the Thuzio live and unfiltered podcast with our guest, Jared Goff. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like information on how you can attend our live events or book our new virtual ones, visit www.thuzio.com. That's T-H-U-Z-I-O.com. And be sure to follow us on social media at Thuzio.